Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. It's episode 756. It's January 17, 2024. As we record this, I'm Sebastian Peake. Uh, coming to you live from Frostpunk, it's Jeremy Hellstrom. <laughs> I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett. The only way to win is not to play. Van Sprimberg. Hmm. I don't know if that's the saying, but yeah. close enough. You can help support PC Perspective, our website, this uh, YouTube channel, our podcast, by going to patreon.com. Yes, this is that Patreon segment. The creator on YouTube telling you to go to Patreon to help supplement our uh, meager ad revenues. That's, that's the reality of being a creator in current year. So It is. It unfortunately. Is. But luckily, luckily, we have... S. Ogden here to help us out. And it's Ogden Shell help us out. He'll know what I mean. So really, really appreciate you uh, throwing a little money in the kitty for us just to keep this thing going, keep this whole thing on the air and making sure that Josh can buy a burger next week. And whether he needs to walk both ways back and forth to work in negative 37, you know, at burger keeps him going. That's what Uphill he needs. That's too, fuel, by the way. That fuel. That's fuel for Josh so that he doesn't I mean, it's die. only 11 blocks, but still, that. that's, that's 11, <laughs> 11 blocks. 11 blocks when it's yeah. as cold as it is outside. Exactly. Yeah. All right. It is time for Josh's food review of the week. Burger. Mm, you know, it's, it's kind of had a crappy day. No, not, nothing I need to get into here, but you know, it's crappy. And the one thing that just buoyed me up there was Burger Day. Burger Day, how can... How can it be a bad day? I love burgers. And this is a good one. It's a refresh. I mean, dude, we've seen it before, but it's the Johnny Cash burger. That's covered with flaming hot Cheetos, which is then doused with spicy. I mean, we're talking four star, you know, four heat thing index, spicy buffalo sauce, pepper jack cheese. And fresh cut jalapenos on double burgers with buns. I mean, I persevered. I got through it. And it was fantastic. And, I mean, just look at the way that cheese glistens in the fluorescent office light. They uh, they, they improved their uh, their boxes a bit. And so, you know, the, mm-hmm. the white sides kind of helped to illuminate the burger a little bit better. The fries were perfectly done, nicely seasoned. I have no complaints. I'm I'm still not hungry, and I won't be until sometime tomorrow. It's a lot of burger. And yeah, Johnny Cash and the Ring of Fire says hello. Moving on to news, and the top story this week has to be the GeForce RTX 4070 Super launching, I think, today for general availability at e-tail and retail near you. And this, of course, was uh, previously announced at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, but it's here. The NDA has been lifted. We had one of these on hand in advance to do a little review here for you guys. Not the most comprehensive review, but uh, a review nonetheless. And we can at least talk about the uh, the specs, the pricing, before we move on to a better review to look at performance. But uh, we talked about this slide before, the RTX 40 Series Get Super slide from NVIDIA, where... They've adjusted pricing, they've replaced models in the lineup, and certain models in the lineup are mysteriously absent, conspicuous by their absence, because between $399 
and 549, there's nothing. There's no RTX 4060 Ti 16-gigabyte listed at all anymore. The old 4070 drops $50 to 549 and this RTX 4070 Super replaces it or it doesn't replace it because it's staying in the lineup but it replaces the $599 slot does that make any sense and then at 799 the upcoming RTX 4070 Ti Super just straight up replaces the 4070 Ti which I and I agree with Josh he was on Twitter I think earlier today talking about how the 40 Ti Super might be the sweet spot it's the one I mean, 16 gigs of memory and mm-hmm. yeah. Significantly cheaper than the card it replaced. Yeah. yeah. 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the a hundred bucks, I guess. Uh, yeah. The, the top of the stack is still 4090 at 1599, but the 4080 super comes in at 999, which is $200 less than the original 4080 that it replaces. Now there's And this- it's faster. Yes, it's faster because it says super, which means exactly. above, I guess. Like <laughs> if we were talking like superscript, it's uh, higher on the line. Super eerier. Yes. The refresh known as super is back. And this is, it's been four and a half years, guys. Can you believe? July 23, 2019 was the last time a super card launched. That was the 2080 super which had followed the July 2, 2019 launch of the 2060 Super and 2070 Super. They didn't need to do Super cards with the 30 Series because they were just selling everything they made for a while there. So the specs. Uh, We have the 4070 staying in the lineup, and you can see it has 46... I mean, you can see if you're watching the video. It has 46 SMs, which translates to 5,888 CUDA cores. The new 4070 Super... It's still the same GPU, it's AD104, but more enabled because it has 56 SMs, 7,168 CUDA cores, which is roughly 20% more. So, of course, you also get more tensor cores, more RT cores. Clocks are very close. So the boost clock is the same, 2475, although the base clock has been bumped up by 60 megahertz, to 1980. And also the L2 cache is up from 36 megabytes to 48, which could help because otherwise the memory system is unchanged. It's still 12 gigabytes of GDDR6, 21 gigabit per second memory on a 192-bit bus. So you get 504 gigabytes per second. Power went up 20 watts from 200 to 220 watts. It's, it's going to be faster. There's no way it can't be, but how much faster... I don't know if it really matters because it's the same price. How long has it been the 4000 4, series been out now? Two years? Approximately. Yeah. So we finally get some <clears throat> price performance changes after a pretty static and monolithic setup from NVIDIA from that time. And so uh, this is a great move by them to maybe try to reconnect with our customers. I don't know you know, truly how interested they are just because uh, the margins in, in their data center stuff is just so insane. Maybe, you know, if they're looking more than five years down the road, they probably could think that, you know, we may need to rely on these consumers again to reach the margins because what if everybody has a big machine learning GPU that they're selling and there's so much competition and so much, you know, stock in there that they're finally selling them for far less and data centers are, are 
cranky because they eat so much power. And yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking past two years, maybe it it is past time to make some inroads with, you know, your, your base customers, the people who, you know, kind of brought you up from the 90s through the double lots to the, the 10s. And now we're well into the 21st century. So uh, this isn't as nice as, you know, perhaps as we wanted, but it's certainly a far larger improvement and maybe what we should have expected back two years ago and the original launch um, with the products that they were providing, that something like this would be a lot more popular than their 4,000 series was. Now, I'm not saying their 4,000 series have not sold because, I mean, they've been going through the 3,000 series like nobody's business. They're still up there in price. I mean, though, a 3060-12 gig is, is now sitting around $270, which I think that's a reasonable deal. I mean, we'll find out soon enough uh, how well that compares to other products uh, in the mix. But, yeah, they needed to do something to kind of reconnect with, you know, the people who are willing to buy a GPU once every two years if it is in the price. And then there's people like me who have not bought one in four years almost because it just didn't make sense. And now it's finally starting to. If you're upgrading, who who is this targeted at? What do you have that you're upgrading to this right now? What do you think? A ten eighty, a forty seventy. No, uh, no, they, you had like a twenty seventy or a twenty eighty in that yep. generation, or if you had a thirty sixty Ti, then the DLSS three stuff and extra memory, it might be and lots of ray tracing comparatively. Yeah. This is a significant upgrade over a 2080 Ti, even without frame generation. Yes. So yeah. they can position this against like a 3090, maybe even a 3090 Ti mm. once you factor in frame generation. But just raster performance, it's significant. What you can do with this or even AMD's Radeon cards of this generation at this price level, uh, very impressive. The 7800 XT, if you can find it around $500, typically sells for a little bit more, but... It does very well, as you will see if you look at reviews with recent benchmarks. Now, this card, which, by the way, it's uh, it's all black now. I think all the super cards, they don't have that sort of gunmetal gray with uh, the black accents. It's just all black. I don't know how you feel about that. Is uh, I like stealthy. it. I like it a lot. Stealth. Very stealthy. Like what AMD did with the 7000 series reference cards. Actually. There's no there's no green touch on that at all. Mm-mm. No, it's just all black. So mm-hmm. here is an, a peek at theoretical performance. I ran 3D Mark tests as usual. Here's 3D Mark Speedway. That's the DX12 Ultimate test that has ray tracing. And the 4070 Super is only a couple hundred points behind the 4070 Ti. Uh, in this test. So right up there in second place. And of course, in this test, the NVIDIA cards tend to be a little bit faster because of all that dedicated ray tracing hardware. But the story changes a little bit when you look at a raster-based test. This is times by extreme. And here the 4070 Super is right around 10,000 points. It's about 800, 850 points behind a 4070 Ti in this particular test. Hmm. Interestingly enough, very close to a uh, PC per favorite, the 6950 XT. 
Yes, that one does very well. Actually, edges yeah. out the 4070 Super slightly in this test. You just can't go wrong with the 6950 XD. If you have one of those, you don't need to upgrade this generation. Well, unless you want... five hundred. You know, if you can five one. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, unless you want NVIDIA features, they're... Oh, yeah. That's, that's the if you're raster playing, mm-hmm. if you're raster playing, 6950 XT at mid 500s is it's still going to be an excellent deal. Now, here's an example of why maybe we need to kind of look around at different reviews because the results that I got with this card a little questionable. Although I did verify everything, it's it's correct. It's just you're looking at just ultra wide at ultra preset settings. So kind of an odd use case because I want it to be absolutely PC specific. So what's more PC specific than 144 hertz, 3440 by 1440 ultra wide monitor? Crank nice. up those detail settings. And uh, the 4070 Super in Cyberpunk at these settings without any kind of image scaling or ray tracing or anything, it's only three frames per second-ish faster than a 4070. And then, of course, I realized after I did all the testing that the 4070 that I tested was very overclocked. It's like 130 megahertz overclock, MSI, gaming extreme. So like, okay, I needed to do founders versus founders and I failed. So take these results for what they are. Bridging the gap uh, is this overclocked 4070. Uh, anyway, now if I just look at 4070 Super versus 4070 Ti, anytime there's a game that makes use of ray tracing, any kind of DX12 Ultimate title, like Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition, they're much closer than they are in the raster-based games. Here they are less than about four and a half frames per second difference between this and the 4070 Ti. So, and here's an AMD-friendly title, Far Cry 6, where the 4070 Super can't beat a 7800 XT. So it all, it all depends on the uh, situation, how these cards are going to perform. But at least looking at synthetics, looking at other people's results out there, like uh, TechSpot, which I will go to here, the 4070 Super is pretty close to a 4070 Ti, depending on the game. Let's see. Here's a Plague's Tale Requiem 1440 Ultra. And the 4070 Super is at 94 frames per second. The 4070 Ti is at 99. And at 4K, it moves from 4070 Super at 53 to just 56 for the 4070 Ti. I could scroll endlessly through these benchmarks. Here's the 4070 Super in Phantom Liberty 1440 High. 97 with the 4070 Super to 104 with the 4070 Ti. So it's not big. So they're not going to be big uh, gaps. So I, I don't know if they're exactly at 20% faster than the original. No, uh, no 7900 XTX, just the 7900 XT, which <clears throat> received somewhat of an unofficial uh, price drop, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, it's a good point. I, did, I didn't go higher than... The $800 mark in my review, so I, I end with a 7900 XT and a 4070 Ti. TechSpot adds a 4080, but no 7900 XTX, which is actually cheaper than a 4080. Hmm. Until the recent, you know, discounts and the upcoming yeah. 4080 Super launch, it'll take it down to 999 but that's been a $1,200 card. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that TechSpot has updated their test bench this year with a 7800 X3D and DDR5 6000 memory. So that that's good, but I I don't know why you'd put a 4080 and not 
an XTX. But when results. you factor in price, this just seems like a very, very good deal. What, this card? Yeah. Yeah, 599 It's a little bit slower than a 4070 Ti, which was 799 But it's so. faster than a 3080 10 gig, which was 649 yes. at launch. Yeah. Official. Yeah. And very, very close to a 3090 in many ways. Very close to a 3090. Yeah. Think of the price on one of those. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't want to. It hurts. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, are these cards actually available today? Josh, you were looking. The answer is yes. You go to New well, US, search up highly available. Okay, let's see. I mean, right now, can... live five ninety nine com. You can get the Asus Dual at the list price five ninety nine. Add it to the cart. Yeah, not a particularly flashy card, but. Very serviceable, but you can get an and overclocked in one for ten dollars. Reviews I saw the uh, the third party ones were actually outperforming the Founders Edition. Well, yeah, you that's, would expect that's, that. That's not unusual. Yeah. No, it's like Tom Jobs. Right. <laughs> when you pump up that you know power limit and uh, give it a little bit of Soft, a better cooling, a yep. little little more airflow, a little bit more voltage, a little bit more tweaky tweaky 20 megahertz here. Normally I would say no, not necessarily with these cards because some of the founders cards are, you know, huge triple slot, but Mm. I'm with Brett here because I can grab it. This is just a, a dual slot card. So even with a 20 series, even with a 20 (laughs) watt higher TDP, it's exactly the same size. Compared to some of the cards now, do you do you have a later model one to compare uh, physically to right there? I don't know. What you Which mean by later model? On? This is the latest. This is the latest graphics card okay. that's been released in the world, Brett. This is as late as it gets. Yeah, Brett. That's not exactly a, what I meant. This is a forty seventy <laughs> super right here. Here's the forty seventy, the original, and I'm you know I actually have the founders, so I'm oh, okay. annoyed that I didn't test it. But it's, it's it's the same size. They're they're the same except one is black and one is like gunmetal gray, and black. So this is when you you go totally the uh, lawyer from uh, you know my cousin Vinny Vinny, uh, identical. <laughs> I was thinking of Better Call Saul actually, and mm. I felt pretty stung. <laughs> so yeah, put a put a beefier cooler on it. Throw you know. A little extra juice, add it, and away you go. Mm-hmm. Didn't somebody, Gigabyte, I think, had one with a 350-watt power limit? Ooh. That's going to be crazy. see that. Jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> Videocards.com was reporting on that earlier today. Super ARS. Master with massively increased TDP. 350 watts. Whoa. That's craziness. Look at how like, tall that card is. That is big. That looks like a 4090. Three and a half, maybe? Hard to tell from the side. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. It's almost <laughs> Look at how big that is. Almost double the size of the PCB. <laughs> wow. Basically. That's almost four slots. That's, that's obscene. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. We got one thing. Final, Good final thoughts on the final thing. Super. The regular RTX 4070 is still officially 549. Why? No. What? No, why is that? Why? 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 In our next news post, see-through displays, accordion TVs, and other CES 2024 oddities. No, CES isn't really over if we keep it alive by continuing to talk about it. 
And oh, please, uh, what's I'm already getting CES? emails for CES 2025. <laughs> so what's a CES without weird stuff that we didn't talk about the LG transparent, ridiculous TV on a clear glass uh, backing of some kind. But then there was a black film shade that could roll up and down behind it to give you effectively the same experience as a regular OLED TV, <laughs> roughly, yeah, depending yeah, on reflections and stuff. But uh, then it was just weird because you you lowered it and they had, of course, these special videos playing where without the black backing behind the OLED panel, they're just You just have a window in the middle of your wall. Right. So you could see a fish the tank, of the wall. but because they rendered it with a black background, it appeared to be fish just suspended in air. And then you could have a blue background behind it. I, it looks like it's going to be $10,000 and just something that you put in a luxury apartment to show off. But yes, they they showed it. It's it's like a big box too. It's a huge glass yeah. box. Here's the you see the black film that's only partly rolled up here, and so you can see behind it the wall behind the glass box. So yes. if you want a mid grade OLED experience for some reason, I I don't know. It's I don't I don't get it, but it's it's something that's in digital signage already. So they're just like, hey, we could bring this yes. to home for outrageous amounts of money. And dumb. And then C seed, which is you know, before. Oh. There there are people with more dollars than cents. That absolutely cents. true. Ah. Because pennies, mm. I mean, they don't keep them because they don't yeah. they don't care about them. So they just have exactly. dollars. No sense. Mm-hmm. Well, we got mm-hmm. rid of the pennies, but that's a different thing. And there's just weird stuff. What what can't you do once you have OLED that's transparent? Well, you could put valves behind it or, you know, tubes. That's a speaker. Yeah. Oh, is it? Because I thought it was a... Yes. What is... Why, though? Because it's got to be a tube amp speaker. Um, and the idea is that you can look at your Spotify playlist oh, it's, displayed it's, on okay. top of... Okay. It only is touchscreen. Uh, I didn't actually look into it that far apart from just <laughs> mentioning because it's ridiculous. But yeah, so it's literally, so you've got your music player's interface showing on top of the tube amp, which if you can look at the top, the the two little weird dishes are 360 degree uh, speakers. And then the bottom has a big one. I would hope it's a soundbar. God only knows. And LG is calling this the Duke box. Yes. Okay. So you're saying it's got a fat bottom and they call it the Duke Mm. box. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, CC. Rock- it makes your rockin' world go round. So it it's like they indeed. can't hear themselves. Okay, and then finally, in weird stuff from <laughs> CES, the C-Seed oh, yeah. N1, the unfolding TV. I think Linus did a video on this. It's 137 yeah. inches, and well over six figures, or well into the six figures. Here we see uh, it uh, slowly standing up, and then it's starting to unfold. Like, uh, do they play also Sprack Zarathustra when this comes up and unfolds? Are the seams going to disappear? Yeah, Let's see, it's still unfolding. Gosh, but you can get it. And it's now still unfolding it's done. almost. Oh, the seams disappeared. So now it just appears nice. to be one panel. And look at that performance. It looks like it's going about five frames per second here. Uh, maybe eight. Majestic. Who wouldn't That's want artistic? Well, you know, the best effect. part about it is artistic. 
What's the best part? They're going to sell an outdoor model. Okay. Uh huh. It's two hundred thousand United States dollars. Yes. For that one. Yes, it is. I thought it was version. Oh, that's the one thirty-seven. What about yes. the one sixty-five? Because I think that's hundred grand. Three hundred thousand for the one sixty-five. If you only want one hundred three, yes. it's half price. It's I would go one hundred three because it's only a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, I can get rid of my projection screen, which cost me a hundred bucks on Amazon, <laughs> because for just a hundred thousand dollars, I can get a one hundred and three-inch micro LED TV instead. You know, not not everything off. that's introduced at CES is a is a home run. I mean, let's just let's yeah. just face no. it. In our next news story, dump your thermal paste. Forget about proper application. Just put a thermal grizzly cryo sheet on there, right? Even on your GPU, apparently, according to the sure. picture here. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> so this is a story at Tech Power Up, where they're obviously doing some temperature testing. Now, we know that a lot of these uh, GPUs from the factory Suck. are somewhat questionably assembled yeah. these days. So maybe just taking it apart and putting fresh paste or this pad is going to give you better results anyway. So that's what they did with an RX 7900 XT or an XDX. Rather. Oh, it's an XDX. There you go. Yeah. Is it... Uh, so, that, so you know there's a good thermal load on that thing. <laughs> and one see. of the nice things was apparently it's, unlike some of the others, it's thick enough that when they pulled it off again, you could actually see the indents from some of the unevenness of the chip. Because some of them, like, well, especially the factory ones, like they leave air gaps, right? It's, it's not perfectly flat. And so you've got one, one component that's actually cooled really well and another that isn't. But yeah. yeah, they're looking at it, and it is bang on, if not slightly better than uh, redoing it with paste or especially with the uh, what came from the factory. Well, the first chart here is showing GPU temperature. So that's the self-reported temperature of the GPU, yeah. and there's virtually no difference between any of these. If you look at hotspot, you're going to see a difference. And the cryo sheet does very well. It seems to be towards the the better, yeah. uh, if if not the best result, once you get up to higher wattage. Because, of course, the, the XDX pulls as much power as a 4090. So when you're at 450 plus watts, cryo sheet was right there uh, with some of the best results. So, yeah. I mean, the, the price is relatively decent compared to thermal paste, and uh, we all know how much we love applying thermal paste. My only concern about this <laughs> just the right amount, just would, yeah, would be uh, you have that you have that extra room for error with paste, where you can put it on a little thick, and you can fill <laughs> some of those gaps. You need absolutely perfect and perfectly even. Mounting pressure yeah. if you're going to be cooling an XTX with a pad. Because these pads sound yes. like you would give you margin of error, but they're they're super thin. They're like onion skin yes. thin. Are they? Uh, the last pad I used was on the very thin side. I don't know how the thermal grizzly they, they're, was. No, like I said, they're thick enough that uh, they could actually see some of the difference between some of the uh, SMDs that were mounted slightly higher or lower, and they were yeah. all hitting it. But there's one other... And it's, it's a bit of, ca- of a caveat here. They tested it, and it is electrically conductive. Oh, okay. Not a <clears throat> lot, <clears throat> but and only on one plane. Mm. Not, not, uh, not on the vertical plane, but on the sideways plane, they were seeing a little bit of electrical 
conductivity. So hmm. in the most part, that's not going to be a worry because nothing is close enough to what you're cooling that you're actually going to touch it unless you go crazy. You ever, but you ever heard of something called weird. semiconductors? I've, I've heard of yeah, those. Right. So you got to yeah. put but they like, no capped on it. tape around it to keep it if case it slides. Cause then you got to be they so perfect when you set it, yeah. when you set the cooler back down, you cannot even breathe or you might move that sheet a little bit. No, I would suggest you don't. I just suggest you don't do it at all. Just use thermal paste. And this is an interesting experiment. It's a lot easier to do this with CPUs than with GPUs. Yes. <clears throat> Next news story, Windows Copilot auto start tests limited to 27 inch displays or larger. Why? It's crazy. Because it takes up too I, I much think... space? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I have no idea, Jeremy. I, I thought you might have a... Uh, Let's see. Microsoft says that tests of a controversial new Windows 11 feature that automatically opens the AI-powered Copilot Assistant after Windows starts are limited to systems with 27-inch displays. For now. Yeah. And also it involves enrolling in the company's Windows Insider program. So it's, it's an... For now. A, Insider preview build. It's twenty three six fifteen, released last Thursday in the Dev Channel. So, they just want a minimum of twenty seven inches and full HD. So at least nineteen twenty pixels wide. Because it takes up a whole bunch of real estate. Hmm. Yeah, and a certain. And don't worry, it's hooked up to your AI chat powered Bing, so you'll you'll get the exact same results as you expect. Beautiful. It's nice to know that it's not being forced on everybody yet. Yes. Yet but is the key. That that will be changing soon. Microsoft is uh, adding ChatGPT to Notepad. That's Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes they are. It, yeah, it they've sort it. of looked at some of the advanced uh, menus that are coming in the latest builds, and they can see that. Um, ChatGPT slash Copilot will be available to sort of fill in the prompts. And uh, they can see that there's going to be at least one UI element that allows you to issue the thumbs up to the prompt that it might give you so that you can give that all important AI a pat on the head that says, you're great. Please give me more just like it. <laughs> Co-writer. I just don't know. Huh. I just don't know. I can just use a hotkey yeah. and rewrite it with, with yes. co-writer? Is that what it is? Yeah. So just a couple of sentences yeah. and just fill in, in, fill in, fill in. Yeah, an XML file where everything has to be quite exact. Or, you know, there's so many programming tools out there right now that have AI as a co-pilot. I'm using lowercase c when I say okay. that. Next news story. This comes from the register of the Hobbs. OS2 archive logs off permanently in April. OS2 fans... Beware. Download <laughs> I was not aware this even existed. Hold your peace. Is it going to be I archived on the know. internet archive? Can I go back to this archive later asking on for, archive. You're asking for archival inception. I'm not sure that's even a thing. Also, are there really that many OS2 fans? I'm just not aware. I'm blissfully I'm ignorant. I'm, this, I'm this. shocked you're this not blew one. me away. I was more OS2 existed. warp, but... You know. Oh, okay. So you like to run your OS2 uh, over Windows? Warp. I have a copy of OS2 Warp somewhere in the box. This is not a shock. The death of things like this leaves us a little bit poorer in the tech world in that we'll really? never be able to access know. some of these things again. 
it's gone forever. It will be gone forever. There are, are but obviously media that can never be read again or very, very difficult. Right. You can buy the, the possibly working media on eBay and then try to archive it yourself using a cryoflux or something. As we talked about last week, uh, the grease weasel instead. Yeah. Yep. So the register contacted the Hobbs OS2 archive for an explanation of the decision. And we will update should response be forthcoming. Like there's so, so many people out there apparently that are so yeah. invested in this. They really are, need to know. They? Okay. Update. Apparently, Yesterday there was an update to the story. A representative from the New York, from the New Mexico State University told the red, the register, we have made a difficult decision to no longer host these files on hobs.nmsu.edu. Although I'm unable to go into specifics. Translation. There's, there's pressure. The there's pressure from some outside on entity on this. Oh, no, the, the server, server is, dying. is dying and they can't actually yeah, replace yes. it. It's like, hey, well, that, we need to replace that it. It's hoster OS 2 files. No. No. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a dead. slot. It's dead. It's a slot one, Pentium 3, 667. <laughs> and it, it started, you know, shutting down randomly and it's, it's just a, flaky. No, it's, a, it's a SunSpark 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> Scuzzy hard drives. better than a Pentium 3. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Scuzzy hard drives, 50-pin terminators. We don't even know what this means anymore. We we have to shut mm. this down. It's Solaris They're, 1. They literally don't sell these parts anymore. We're just two. <laughs> you, you can't buy this stuff as a... You, you have, you have to go to a, a dump in New Mexico and dig yeah. up the correct Scuzzy cables. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, here's something... Packs. Here's a blast from the past that actually is still useful. Memtest 86, version Whoa. 7 of Memtest 86. Plus. Yep. Brand new. Look at this. It's days old even. Yeah. Absolutely still of use. It even has uh, ECC testing for Ryzen systems, yep. 14th generation Intel processor support, AMD Zen 1 through Zen 4. With that ECC testing. It's back. It's as simple to run as ever. And we'll have you popping out dims all night until you figure out which one's the bad one. Swapping them around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember okay, making I the, like, the Linux. Of one T. <laughs> the, the Linux boot ones to, to do this on, on Windows machines as well. To do tests yep. on and recovery because it's it went right past any protection you had. So if you booted it, you know, with a Linux OneDrive or CD-ROM, you could get right past any of them. Windows asking for a password. <laughs> we don't need any of that. Let's pause for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. Ready to get healthy this year? Remember that New Year's promise? Well, it's been a couple of weeks, I know, right? But you can still help make that one a reality. We have been very happy customers of HelloFresh in the past, and now we can expand our culinary habits with an even wider and healthier selection from their newly acquired meal provider, Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well much easier. Whether your preferred diet is keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're just someone who enjoys tasty food that's good for your body and even the planet, Green Chef takes the work out of eating clean. Seriously, get nutritionist-approved recipes featuring organic whole fruits and veggies, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. May the shrimp always be bountiful. 
Green Chef will bring you these wholesome, farm-fresh ingredients and premium proteins, along with seasonally-inspired recipes to bring out peak flavors and freshness for every season. Each week, you can choose from over 80 options or easily customize your meals to suit your lifestyle and meal preferences with options like keto, vegan, fast and fit, Mediterranean, protein-packed, or gluten-free. We're really looking forward to eating well and cooking up some fabulously healthy meals. So go to greenchef.com slash 60PCPer and use code 60PCPer to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That URL again is greenchef.com slash 60PCPer and use code 60PCPer where you will get 60% off your first order and 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. We're back and it's time for Insecurity Corner. And our first story comes from the register. Patch time. Critical GitLab vulnerability exposes 2FA-less users to account takeovers. A perfect 10. This is a perfect 10? It's a 10. And it's been out there since May of 2023. Yeah. So self-managed Git instances, uh, especially crafted HTTP request for a password reset against an unverified email and you wish you're right past 2FA. So you've got to patch your GitLab instances out there. If you're, if anybody's running any of this, it's like uh, Sebastian was saying, it's a perfect 10. Uh, anything to add to this one, Jeremy? It's just very, very, very sad because this is a very, very explicit um, and uh, potentially very, very bad because it allows uh, the attacker to completely take over your account. Uh, Eileen, there is a little bit of irony involved in it because GitLab refuses to support SMS-based 2FA because it's one of the most commonly hijacked ways of doing it, and yet that didn't work out so well now, did it? You know, it never does. Uh, There's uh, At the time that this article was written, there's no um, uh, evidence that it's being actively exploited, but the likelihood with the um, publication of this is that it's very, very soon now. So if, you know, get patches as soon as you can or stop running GitLab, you know, I don't know which <laughs> do one of those two. Stop running older versions of Confluence Atlassian warns of a critical RCE flaw, apparently not present in newer versions. New with more a, or less like new, January. New yeah, as in like this month. So when oh, they okay. say newer, yeah, that kind of is like a very tongue-in-cheek moment. Uh, because they are only supporting like eight five uh a version of eight five forward. So that's like the last three major revs, eight five, eight six, and eight seven. They aren't putting out patches for the older one. And this is a total exploit. Uh, with a carefully crafted request to the Confluence server Mm -hmm. uh, that allows them to completely own your instance. So if you're not running something newer than an 8.4, so that all it goes back to like an 8.0, which I guess some versions of this are still out there, you're hosed. You have to shut this thing down or upgrade it. Uh, And even if you are on a version that you just patched, as in like two, three weeks ago, you're still hosed. You've got to patch it yes. again, or else you're going to get owned and this very is, soon. Again, a 10.0. Their, their, their scale is going to have to start going up to 11 soon, considering yeah, we've seen what so goes far to 11. That, that makes sense. <laughs> That'll be the year yeah. for it. More from the register. This is in the cybercrime 
category exploit for under siege SharePoint vulnerability reportedly in the hands of a ransomware crew. Functional exploit for a nearly year old critical Microsoft SharePoint vulnerability that was mm-hmm. this week added to the US's must patch list. I don't know why it's a mere 9.8. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. But yeah, it's it's an elevation of privileges one, uh, which I, we've seen proof of concept of it. We don't know for sure that it's really been used in uh, the wild yet. But the it it's sort of a weird confluence of two different uh, elevation of privilege flaws that when you run them together can essentially put you in charge of someone's SharePoint. And again, it's, it doesn't really take much in the way of authentication, but you, you need to do a man in the middle sort of a thing uh, to be able to get after the, privilege uh, admitted- escalation, you get RCE yeah. after pr- privilege escalation. So you get remote code after, after, um, well, you're literally that, an you administrator on your SharePoint then. And the last thing, the last thing is even if you're on windows patch, automated patching yep. you're accepting all the patches here's the trick to this one there is a manual patch to sharepoint that you must uh, uh, go out gather yep. or apply through a um, an intervention as the administrator you won't get it automatically so here's that's the critical point of this one is that it is fixable these exploits were somewhat patched some time ago but again you have to take a manual action so go check for yeah. SharePoint updates manually rather than just relying yeah, on Windows Auto. Yeah, mention. Yep. And the good news is that the guy who discovered this actually got a hundred grand out of uh, Pwn to Own. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the these guys are not paying out their... Uh, well, no, because Microsoft isn't paying out their bug hunters anymore. So mm. at least he got mm. some for it. They can just use uh, AI for that probably. They mean a large language model. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Microsoft, Microsoft start story here. Avanti VPN mm. zero day flaws are now being attacked en masse. This is one of those, um, how do I say this? Schnittenfreud ones. It's like, oh, this is a security VPN endpoint that essentially allows that, um, that box, it's a it's a dedicated um, appliance like box that yeah. allows that to be remotely owned. Um, go ahead, Jeremy, talk about this one. Well, I mean, so far they've only detected uh, just short of twenty thousand appliances that are vulnerable to this. Well, sorry, mm-hmm. twenty thousand appliances that might be invulnerable to this. It, it's unsure. So that translation means we don't know how to detect whether or not you were actually vulnerable to this thing or not but, uh, but there is an exploit chance to read at this there is an exploit so that's actually on, being actively actively applied okay. out there right now with malware being uh, installed um, and there is no patch for this so if you're running an Avanti endpoint uh, VPN go shut it off there is no there's no defense against this right now. You are exploitable. Mm-hmm. That's that's the end. That's the that's end word annoying. Here is. <laughs> well, we, we don't know yeah, how to that's detect it. whether you're vulnerable or not, so you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut yes. them down. 
And this is this is a VPN endpoint for for yeah. secure communications back to your corporate. And this is, as Jeremy was saying, used 17,000, 20,000 times out there. So this is used from small installations all the way up to mega Fortune 500 companies have this, this uh, appliance and endpoint installed. They're all vulnerable right now. And it is actively in, today, it is actively being exploited. Zero day vulnerability. I'm surprised it's not a 10. Uh, right now, they're only Josh, owning you're pretty your quiet. clients. You are using one of these, are you? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> Good. So they're they're only owning your appliance, but as we know, once uh, the these artists get a foothold in your infrastructure, they will bounce to something else. Oh, and they're deploying helpful malware so that they can uh, begin to exploit your resources and uh, attempt to attack attack other devices and internet outbound as well. So not just inside your organizations, but other organizations. Very helpful. On a more positive note, Gaming Quick Hits begins with a look at uh, Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remastered. This is actually from the PlayStation blog, but I think the screenshots are pretty much the same. There is a Steam page live for this already. It's about a month away from its actual release. What's cool about this, at least from what I was reading, is you get a choice. You can toggle between the original or the remastered graphics. So kind of like Halo remastered. You have classic or modern control options. Here's a a look at the difference between the original. So a little bit, you know, lower polygon count, of course. But those that classic look. Or this much higher... Wait, that was supposed to be a cat? I I guess. Lara... Kneeling down, looking at some kind of blurry object. And then on this uh, this other version we see, that is some kind of a statue. Jade, possibly. And uh, the room, a little bit higher uh, quality textures. Mm-hmm. Much higher polygon count model. So any of the, the frames they show with uh, Lara Croft running around, she looks a lot more detailed. But proportionally uh, similar, if you were worried about that. Well, there you go. This is a look at the new high polygon version, which again, you can toggle it. Uh, so yeah. Well, higher gain weight over the uh, remaster. Higher quality assets from this new version. I noticed not only Say did no you put a link in here to Say Steam, no but yep, I, I wanted to mention that this see. will also be available on good old games. Oh, is it? Okay. So yes, yeah, the, the important thing is it's coming to the PC. This isn't just one of those, it is. you know, console things. It started on the PC and that's where it belongs. Looks pretty good. Exactly. As the YouTube chat says, you'll poke your eye out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Next up, Rock Band 4 won't get any more DLC because we're living in Fortnite's world now. This is a story at PC Gamer. Harmonix, Harmonix has also been supporting Harmonix, Rock Band 4 DLC releases for eight years. So that might be a factor too. Uh, do you remember Rock Band? It never made it to the PC. Rock Band 4 didn't. Man, this has been like uh, eight yes, years. Yes, I'm continually reminded by it because uh, my upstairs neighbor, Chris, apparently had one of the uh, songs you could unlock after you'd beaten the game on it. So he brings it up a lot. Was it? Mm. Was it by tribe? But anyway, 
Narcos to the Hillside tickets. Ah, uh, so 3,000 songs they've added over the, uh, you know, eight Mm -hmm. years. But apparently, apparently, after Epic bought them, they sort of started to roll the concept into Fortnite, if you can believe that, where they're going to come up with some sort of sideband rhythm thing that they can do inside of Fortnite. And Harmonics is sort of moving, planting their flag inside the it's world like a game of 2025. A game. Every game is Fortnite now. It, that's it exactly. Thank you, Jeremy. That's kind of where I was driving. In that uh, harmonics was like, no, we're all Fortnite now, and then they're doing some sort of rhythm game inside there. So sad to see it go, but there, yeah, there are never concerts inside of Fortnite. Fortnite is, yeah, it's basically yeah. If, in youth culture. There's TikTok. There's Fortnite. This is where you learn your dances. The music clips. Uh, so this is kind of like they, second life, the hang out, but profitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and with less <laughs> flying uh, genitals. Right, hmm. it's more family friendly, much more profitable. Yeah. And unlike someone else's product, it does actually have legs, so you can dance. Mm-hmm. They're not having to fake the legs either. They're actually they're baked right in. Okay, uh, finally. Ubisoft or Ubisoft, wherever you like to pronounce them, they want you to get comfortable with this concept that you don't own anything. So they have Ubisoft Plus, which accompanies the release of the newest Prince of Persia game, which is uh, The Lost Crown. They've chosen this week to rebrand their subscription services and introduce a PC version of Classics tier at a lower price getting players comfortable with not owning their games. Well, you know, the the industry in general, the entertainment industry, has been working very hard to get people comfortable with this concept you don't own anything. Physical media disappearing from stores like Best Buy. You have to rent content by paying for, you know, Paramount Plus and Netflix and Disney Plus and all of this stuff to actually watch anything. So going forward... There are going to be fewer and fewer options to buy things physically, I imagine. And then if you buy it digitally and it's DRMs, then what are you going to do when they shut servers For down the, in a few years? Exactly. But this one, like 18 bucks a month to play Ubisoft games and only Ubisoft games. Compare that to any of the other ones. It's more expensive and literally is ridiculously limited. And part of the thing is that, I mean, this will end up being a corporate boardroom decision of, hey, they're not playing Far Cry 78, the retirement years. <laughs> well, let's just call, cut off all the other Far Cries so then they have to play this one. It's it's not good. Uh, even the head of Larian is like, no, this doesn't make any sense. So even the game devs are like, yeah, I, I can name... One game publisher I'm never going to be using again. Let's move to picks of the week. Josh, please get us started. You know what? I'm I'm such a shill. Just if you've been waiting for years for a video card, this is one of the first that is worth the price after the previous generation. So sure, go with the 4070 Super. Just get the one that's a little bit more expensive, $9, $10 more than MSRP. MSI makes a pretty good product, a little bit faster. You know, mm-hmm. a little bit better cooling and, uh, you know, kind of worth it if you, you know, really are itching 
to get all those DLSS 3 and 3.5 nifty things that NVIDIA offers to software in the 4000 series. So, uh, you know, I, I was not a huge fan of the 4070 and certainly not of the 4070 Ti and really not of the original 4080. But this at least gets down to where it's palatable. So if you need to upgrade, there are worse options. Nice. Jeremy, your pick. Well, I mean, I wanted to test out the uh, Fozzie's active sub out. So I needed an active sub and I went with the Edifier T5, which I got to say is pretty damn good subwoofer. Uh, the Fozzie doesn't like it. I'm still in communication with them because all it does is hum and literally not produce any music whatsoever, nor variants. It just hums. <laughs> uh, but the huh. lovely thing about this is it has a completely passive pass through in it. So that's nice. The audio goes into the bass and then it goes out into the Fozzie. So yeah. Okay. I've got to deal with uh, separate volume controls but not too bad. And the only thing it is on the back of it, there is a crossover switch. So you can dial in exactly what frequency you want before the bass kicks in. This is actually really nice. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's at a fire. It's not cheap. I paid better part of 200 bucks for it, but Hey, if you're looking for a sub, I would recommend this thing. It's, it's pretty good. I like it. A fire stuff. Pretty well yeah, made from what I've seen. Yeah, that's very inexpensive for an active sub because that's Canadian. So that's it's like also true. Twenty bucks. Oh US. god, yeah, you guys are probably paying one twenty or so at most. It's an eight-inch driver. I had. I don't know what the. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. In the U.S., they want one forty-nine for it. It looks oh, like that's. This looks just like the sub that I used to have with my Logitech Z twenty-three hundred speakers. Like the same. Uh, I guarantee you it weighs significantly looks, more. I don't know. It was oh, pretty heavy, like but too. okay. Uh, no, I, yeah. What are the specs on this thing? It has. Oh, it's only seventy watts RMS, but still, I mean, you're you're gonna Which get some low end. The I'm, I'm not living in an arena. Seventy watts does me just fine. <laughs> okay. But what about those peak, those transients? It's okay. not bad. All right, Brett. You can manually, uh... Yes. I picked these kind of general things a couple of weeks ago, which is how to mount those desktop or difficult to mount devices in uh, a rack system. And I finally got them in uh, a little while ago. And here's... Uh, there's kind of one of them right here. This has got my ARIS S33 modem in it. And this is part of what they would call their modular series because I just picked uh, another half of the uh, of the rack to mount a Raspberry Pi. So essentially, um, I have them upside down and backwards right now, but um, they get uh, connected together here in the middle. They've got uh, some bolts that are included with the package and you connect them and then you could mount them inside the rack for Raspberry Pi on one side and the ARIS S33 modem you know, on the other. But they Wait, have. If, uh, if that's your modem, how are you on the internet? 
That's that was the issue. He's kind of there was some uh, as he suddenly just drops out as he realizes he doesn't have an internet. Just unplug this real quick. Wait a minute. How is this even? How is this even working? Anyway, they have uh, uh, 3D printed um, holders for a variety of desktop um, switches and uh, other devices like uh, Philips Hue devices, um, Hubitats. Uh, all kinds of different products that you can get to, to mount up in a rack. So if you scroll down through here, you've got a small switch uh, mounts, uh, obviously Apple Mac type stuff, and even um, Apple TVs or Google devices uh, are mountable in a rack unit. They're not that cheap. Uh, no. But if you absolutely want to want to put these in a rack, no. uh, this is pretty much an easy way to get it done and without any hassle. Would you recommend this oh, over this just them, making your own with like plywood and glue? Um, I would probably just order this for fifty bucks and just be done with the problem. Okay, because yeah. you're going to spend at least fifty dollars of your own time or sixty dollars of your own time doing it, um, figuring it out, modeling whatever device you're trying to use, setting up your three D printer, doing the yeah. two, four, five different prints, trying to get it done. Probably it's just cheaper just to order it from these guys. And like I said, they're a little bit, they're down under, so they're in Australia. So it's going to be a little bit in shipping. Oh, but it's one and And done. Hey, a little bit extra bonus news. The pie shortage is over. Hmm. The pies are flowing again. If you've been looking for one. Yeah. They're upping production. I saw by like 20,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a day or a week or however many they're actually making, but that's good news. Uh, speaking of Raspberry Pi-like things, uh, my pick this week is the A500 Mini, which we've mentioned on the show before. This is the Amiga emulator, but it's kind of just like a Raspberry Pi in a shell, sort of. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I got one of these for my birthday. My wife was uh, kind enough to get one of these for me on Amazon. I have it right behind me. That's a good gift for you. Really yes. good. And here it is. This is the, uh, let me put myself on camera one oh here. my gosh. Look at the accuracy of this. You've that got the little. looks just like a real 500 scaled down. Yep. You've got the. Interesting. Uh, the, key- the keyboard is non-functional. It's just for looks. Uh, I was going to ask. No, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's tiny. And it, the mouse it comes with is great because it looks just like. A tank mouse. It does. It looks just like an Amiga mouse. It's a little smaller, but it's it's it's, it's fine. It's a good super mouse. Super clicky. Super clicky. Um, sounds right. By the way, I I got an Amiga 500 out just to show you the difference here. So here's an Amiga 500 with some broken plastic. Try to look past that. But uh, the difference is really well, just the size. Obviously, one got uh, washed in the hot water and it shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's 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 a very faithful reproduction. It's the novelty of just having this shell would be like just as a Raspberry Pi case would be high, but it yeah. is a fully functional Amiga emulator. And the reason I was telling her all about it and how I wanted one, and she ended up you know getting one for me, is because initially this was WHD load only. Hmm. So you had to have WHD load packaged games and, you know, it's not hard to do. I have one of those thumb drives, but 
Uh, starting with firmware update, I think it was 1.1. They started adding, let's see, it's ADF support. So you can just directly load Amiga DOS format floppy images. And I oh, updated oh, this nice. immediately out of the box to this current version 1.2.1. Tell me, and, tell me Lemmings worked right away. Just uh, Yes, I have did. Lemmings up and running uh, immediately. That was the first game I tested. So, not Worms? Uh, no, Worms comes preloaded on it. There's 25 games loaded on it, on its internal flash, including Worms. But Lemmings was one of the games you had to put on there yourself. So I did that. Yeah, fair. And uh, it's kind of cool because you can go into the settings and you can pick between NTSC and PAL. So if the game is running at the wrong speed, you can fix that. There's some screen options like turn smoothing on or off, change the the size. People don't of the realize scaling. that the clock crystal of the CPU was locked to the output frequency of the monitor. So you might have had yeah. to explain that why they run at different speeds. And Cygnosis, uh, I think, was one of those companies that was very much clock dependent as far as their games yes. were concerned. Yeah. So. You that's my that pick. On a, on a too fast, of a, of and how much? With a fast how much clock? is that? I don't know. I didn't buy it. Uh, she oh. bought it. Let me go to Amazon and look at how much they're selling for right now. It's a A500 Mini. 115. They are? Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm making a guess. You're very close. They're around 102 to 109 oh, that's nice. dollars, depending oh. on the seller. So it's... It's kind of, I don't know. I, if you can buy yourself a Raspberry Pi, and there's excellent Amiga emulation software out there if you can provide the ROM files. Uh, yeah, but it's all packaged. That's that's time yeah. saved. I mean, think about how long, if, if I was like, you know, hey, I want to dig into Amiga. I need to read up on all this stuff. What's this? What's this? What's this? And, you know, 17 hours later, I finally can get a boot drive going. So yeah, yep. this is this is this is well <laughs> worth the extra money. Hmm. Yes, yeah, if all you want to do is play games, this is great. If you need workbench and you know the ability to load disk images and stuff, I don't know if this is uh, the answer, but absolutely for gaming, it comes with a controller as well. I wish it came with a joystick, so we'll have to figure yeah, out what USB joystick. joystick works with it. Oh yeah. But, Anyhow, that's oh, it doesn't uh, no way to plug in the old nine pin joystick to it, of course. No, yeah, it's just it's got a it looks just it's like not big a, enough for a nine other. pin connector on it. It's got three yeah, USB ports, like HDMI, mm-hmm. and then USB C for power. And I could tell that it was oh. going to be a little bit light on the processing side because it's just a five volt one amp requirement, so not like a newer Raspberry Pi that needs what is it like three amps or something. Yeah, strangely uh, powerful go, uh, USB charger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should go completely her- heretical on this and get one of those old, uh, the sorry, the new ones that the, the Atari joystick that's USB controlled, and attach it to that. That okay, would just if be it works, horrific. <laughs> uh, all right, that's picks of the week, and it's time to wrap up this. Uh, episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. We want to thank you so much for watching, listening to us ramble on and on. Josh, I don't know if you saw the outro last week, but... No. 
Because <laughs> you're just like, I don't know why. You've been listening to this crap for the last two hours. And when you got done with your rant, I just cut it off. That was the end of the show. Oh, that was so it. <laughs> I, showed it, it out. I showed it to, to my wife. She thought it was hilarious. But she thinks Josh mm. is hilarious anyway. Well, well, she hasn't met me, so... The, mm. the stench of my unbathed body will soon oh, Lord. turn okay. anyone that's away. A different, that's a different matter entirely. She just likes your no, there's an outro. Yeah, we don't need to talk about uh, unwashed bodies or bodies in general, no. really. No, we no. don't. Mm-mm. But once smell vision shows up on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> our, our, our channel is doomed. Doomed. <laughs>